You are listening to another Always Moto production. The Always Moto Podcast with your host, David Hogan. We talk moto events from around the world. All the injuries, all the training ins and outs, the bikes, parts and gear inspections. The results, we interview your favourite riders. It's the Always Moto Podcast. We occasionally have some coarse language and the odd stuff up along the way. If you don't like it or you don't agree with us, turn it off right now. I'd like to remind you that he is not a doctor. That's right, guys and girls, I'm not a doctor, but I am a physiotherapist, and this is episode, well, we're up to 82. Uh, I'm going to have to work out whether it's 82 or 83, because we're recording this out of sync in terms of our normal weekly shows, and I'm not sure whether I'm going to put it out before or after. Um, so I think it's going to be 82, but it might be 83, so don't. Don't get me uh, all mixed up if I've got the wrong one on the actual text at the moment. What you're listening to, it doesn't matter. It's the YZ250F2024 introduction for Yamaha Motor Australia. That's what we're talking about today on the show. We're not doing our regular show. It's not usual programming. But the Always Moto podcast is still brought to you by Liat Moto Australia. And all the products that they have there, they can truly fit you out head to toe. As you will have seen me in my head to toe Liat gear in the images for this uh, Yamaha introduction, which are all over on fullnoise.com.au. Our article is there. We've had some images and some videos on our socials. It's all happened here with the Yamaha introduction. So we were great. We were lucky enough as part of fullnoise.com.au to get an invite from Yamaha Motor Australia up to Gympie in Queensland, Australia to go to MX Farm, which is a nice track up there in the outskirts of Gympie to be a part of this model release. Now, the YZ250F in 2024 has had some updates to the platform um, nothing massive. Well, I wouldn't say massive. The bike is still the bike, right? But there are some key improvements that Yamaha has made that they wanted to introduce. And this is sort of in line with what happened for the 450F in 2023. It's finally come down the line to the 250F. So there is some changes. It's not brand, brand new, but there are changes that make this bike a little bit more interesting. And the guys at Yamaha will want you to know that it is lighter, sharper, and more advanced in 2024. That's the, their three points that they're trying to get across as part of this introduction. So let's get through the day, the changes, how we felt on the bike, uh, and what we think of the bike, and what we would do to the bike moving forward as part of this little podcast here to give you a little rundown. Now, I'm not sure how long this is going to go for. I'm going to run through my notes, um, the notes from Yamaha, and just give you some other um, information around what I felt about riding this bike, and we'll see how long it gets to. Hopefully, you get some information out of it. If you're somebody that's wanting to buy one of these bikes, you're probably still going to buy it after this. If you're somebody who's on the fence about which 250F to be going for, this might convince you to go for a Yamaha. I nev- you never know. But the information will be personal. Um, I'll give you some insight as to what I feel, and I feel things differently 
than others, I feel, when it comes to bike introductions. I'm not just there doing the posing shots uh, in the corners. I did do that for part of the day because I needed to get some shots for the articles. That's part of the of the MO of going to these days. Uh, but I did a couple of 20-plus minute motos on this bike when I first got on it to really tr- tweak down what I wanted to adjust on it to get comfortable on it. Um, and I did that each moto. I t- made tweaks along the way. And I got to a point where I was pretty comfortable and pretty happy with the bike. Uh, that then I could then actually feel the bike out and give you this information I'm about to go through. But let's jump straight to the Yamaha promo info. Now, this bike, this YZ250F platform, it's been one of the most dominant bikes in a 250 class for a number of years now. You think AMAs, uh, events, and titles, they've got plenty of them. They've got five AMA motocross titles and seven AMS, AMA supercross titles uh, in the 250 class since 20. 14. Um, they are prominent in the shootouts over the last 10 years or so as well in the US with like Vital and Swap Moto. Um, I think Racer X as well. They've won on there as well. Um, and they've also won plenty of manufacturer titles in the MX2 class as well in the MXGP side of things from 2020. So the bike is proven at a competition level, which is pretty impressive in recent times. For a long period there before 2014, the Yamaha was a bit of an out to outdated platform that they were functioning off and were being outdone uh, in terms of the you know ability to run at the front. But they made tweaks to this thing. They turned that motor you know, essentially upside down, round back the front, however you want to look at it, uh, and brought that intake into a different system and it just increased the horsepower of those bikes. And ever since then, they've been dominating. Now, this... YZ250F is much the same in that general sense of how the motor functions. But there are some differences in terms of the engine, the chassis, uh, and some new features on the power tuner app as well that goes along with the Yamaha purchase these days as well. So let's talk engine. The engine itself is uh, stronger mid and over rev is, is the main feature here. Now this is in part due to they've got a changed high flow intake now this is it coupled with some changes that they've made to the actual air box and the air filter and how the air is drawn into the motor now in past you'll have, if you're a yamaha rider you'll have noted that the intakes really came in the top there was almost like a, a fin or an intake duct open at the front there uh, that has all been closed down in the 2024 model um it means that they have actually made the intake of the air occur in a different manner. It's going to actually come in from around the radiator shrouds, around the fuel tank, and around the seat areas of the bike to get into the motor. Not so much from that very top entrance point that they had done in the past. That changes, it means that it's a bit more sealed up at the top for the air filter in terms of like water entry or big debris entry. Nice little bit there. Um, But the air filter itself has actually changed shape. It's changed, increased a lot in surface area. It's now 50% larger surface area, which means there's more airflow available to go through it, but also means that the filter will absorb more before it requires changing or or washing out, which is a good thing in terms of maintenance intervals. But in saying that, you should still wash it pretty much quite regularly, changing it quite often just to be safe, but also to keep the motor functioning at the highest possible um, you know, efficiency as well. So that's something to consider. But so that, that it's now a domed shape 
air air filter as well. It was a very flat air filter in in 23. Uh, it's now a bit of a dome shape. Again, that just increases that surface area, but increases the airflow through and into that initial ducting. Um, so yeah, very different intake. Now, what that did when we're on the bike, and we'll quickly jump to this part of it before we get too far into it. It doesn't have that sucking noise that the YZs have been known for in previous years. It's a lot quieter on that aspect when riding the bike, which is kind of nice for somebody who's not a Yamaha, you know, usual 100% of the time rider. You get on those things and you'd notice the difference. This doesn't have that anymore, which means it just sort of feels a bit more familiar across the board, which is, which is a good thing. All right, so back to the engine. Um, they've also changed the cam chain. Um, for many of you out there will know that um, there may have been some minor durability aspects from cam chains in the past models, um, but they've changed that. They've beefed this cam chain up. They've also made it a bit more of a low friction type of cam chain to try and increase the durability and the strength of this system. Uh, and with that, they've also then made some, for the engine, they've made some changes to the electrical system, which we'll get to further in a second here. But go back to the cam chain. So the cam chain is actually increased by almost two millimeters in width. It's beefed it up. It's basically a whole lot chunkier, meaning that it can take a lot more load. The sprockets themselves that the cam chains are running on, they're also wider um, and deeper width. Uh, to increase this, this just matches the, the cam chain. But with also now this increased strength, they've been able to put more on the cam chain tensioner. They've changed that tensioner um, setting and they've optimized it for the new cam chain, which is an awesome, obviously it all goes together. It's all a link, but they've made it all match up, which is a nice thing to do. The increases in all of these things, just like I said before, increases the strength of it and increases the durability of these components. So ideally, we're not having too many issues with these down the track. Again, there's so many hours that all of these parts of a motorcycle can go through and there are still regular intervals for maintenance and changing of components. And those things will be laid out in the owner's manuals. But they've made an effort to make this aspect of the motor a little bit more durable. Good part on Yamaha. Now let's jump down to this mid, stronger mid and over rev. Now this is in part with the ECU settings uh, and changes to the fuel injection and ignition settings um, that are based on that air intake that's changed now. So that air intake means that they're obviously getting a different ratio of air to fuel that they're trying to put through the fuel injection system and managing that with their mapping. So they've optimized this and, th and they've got, again, pre-inbuilt settings into the power tuner app that you can select from different maps but the standard map is obviously where we started for on this testing process but we, we will talk about where we changed later on but so they've optimized it now in terms of the power curve i'm looking at the curve here on the um, yamaha's information it is slightly increased and earlier um, with the revs coming in and the horsepower that it's going to compared to 2023, which obviously is a nice feature. It means it's a faster motorcycle. Now let's talk electrical systems. There's been some changes. Now obviously things need to work in the same manner. You still got to turn something on or off. They've obviously got this very nice, um, you know, standard piece now with the Yamaha as in the map switch that allows you to do things like launch control and traction control and also change between two maps that are set into that from your power tuner. But there's obviously wiring that's got to go to that and to a battery and the ignition system to get the bike to start and stop and change maps, etc. 
So all of that is still there, but they've simplified that wiring harness. They've reduced the length, which means there's less weight on the bike. And the ECU itself is actually a smaller, more compact unit than 2023. Meaning, again, a little bit of weight saving there um, and also just not as in the way. Um, so it makes this bike a little bit more friendly to work on. All right, let's move along. The chassis has changed, and this is where some of the main changes you're going to notice in this bike from your 2023 model start to come in and have effect. There's been some major changes to this frame, and like I said, it's in line with what the 450's already got, but it's meant that the overall ergonomics, the overall turning ability uh, has all been changed, and obviously then the suspension settings have been changed to be optimised with this new frame. It's meant that the bike turns a lot quicker in short and simple terms. But let's talk about what has actually been ha been changed a little bit. There is a tank rail to the head pipe and that has been lowered by 15 mil, bringing the whole front of the ergonomics of the bike down. There's a, the tension pipe is lower 15 mil at the down tube. Um, there's been some increased rigidity to the down tube and swing arm pivot and foot peg cross members. To These are obviously to do with this changing of the angles and lowering of those other parts of the frame, they've had to beef up other sections because it's putting the load in there in a different aspect. The thing that I've noticed the most out of this is the flexibility of this frame, and that's in part due to these engine mounting bracket changes that I'm about to talk about. In 2023, the engine mounts were a solid 8mm thick piece of plate uh, that was mounting the engine to the frame. In 2024, that's down to 5 mil, and it's now a stepped process. So it actually tapers along to these the, the inner, inner diameters, which means that that plate and the engine mount has a lot more flexibility to it uh, to enable the bike to be a little bit softer and have more comfort in that frame. And that will also then means that it's more nimble to turn. Now that cornering that we're talking about there as well, it's it's included in the subframe. It's lighter weight overall. It's actually 135 grams less than it was in 2023. There, the lower rails are thickened, um, which interesting enough then means that other parts have been removed and flattened out and moved down lower. Um, so they've moved the, the battery is mounted flatter under the seat and the battery support trays and electric components are a bit further down as well. Um, so yeah, just some more tweaks. Like I said, the whole thing is just a little bit different. It's similar, but it's different. Enough that you're going to notice the difference when you get on this bike. In terms of the forks and shocks, there's no details on these things. They are essentially the same component of fork and shock. They're still KYB. They uh, basically just optimize the internal valving settings, spring ratios. I don't think they've changed, but they may have slightly. I didn't know the front ones. The boys weren't able to give me that information at the time. Um, but they are essentially just valve to match up with the new frame settings to obviously get this, the feel that you're looking for out of this bike. They've had to make some adjustments to those as well. The nice part with the fork that I really liked is the fact that there are the hand adjusters or toolless as they say on this information here um, you can adjust the compression settings without a tool you can just basically reach down grab the adjuster and turn it and away you go awesome job on the compression side of things on the rebound side on the bottom of the fork you've still got to use a, a screwdriver flat blade screwdriver but at least the compression which is probably the one you're going to get to the most uh, is 
easily done on the top, so it's very quick and easy to change those things. Um, other thing that's changed with the fork itself is that the dust seal and the actual fork guard, they're a bit beefier in 2024. They are covering a bit more surface area to give a bit more protection and keep more dirt off the fork leg to try and increase the seal life, um, which is a good thing because obviously that's how you're getting you know, blown seals and how they're wearing out and maybe adding to the friction that can come from the fork um, when it slides down on the seal. Uh, and it can make you have a harsh feeling fork when really it's just that the seal's gone off. There's nothing changed in your setting, but the seal itself can give you a harsh feeling. So they've tried to protect that seal for a longer period of time to try and increase that time period between maintenance on those seals and just pretend, pre prevent you from having blown a seal, you know, potentially on something like a muddier day where you're going to get more fork and grit going up, being forced up into that fork tube. So that's hopefully a nice little feature to try and increase that rideability and, and reduce maintenance aspect. Now, there's been weight savings all over this bike. The rear axle diameter is down by 0.5 of a mil. Um, the foot peg brackets are reduced. They've gone from steel to aluminium. They're down 200 grams. Chain guide's down 80 grams. The throttle cables are down 60 grams. The fuel pump is down 200 grams. And the rear axle, that change in diameter, is down 30 grams. So... All little savings all across the bike. So ideally, this is hopefully putting the giving Yamaha the chance to put the weight where they want to. And by also lowering those um, frame aspects, 15 mils like we are talking about earlier, they're taking all that weight lower into the bike. So ideally, it's feeling more connected to the track. Now, the other part of the things that are maybe not necessarily different, but they are different for a Yamaha aspect. Obviously, there's no fuel cap on these things. There is two sections of the seat, but that seat is flatter than uh, previous times. It's now, um, where has it gone? It's now uh, 15 mil flatter, but it's actually the seat itself is 5 mil taller. Now, it has a very rounded top area, very narrow, very rounded. It's very different from other model bikes it feels fine when you first get on it it feels different but it feels fine what i noticed with it after was but after the first part of the day and getting back onto the bike sort of after that lunch break my butt didn't like it <laughs> at that point in time the butt was a bit sore and tender because that seat point is now pushing into your butt in a different position than you're used to so you've got to get build up that tolerance to it but i did notice it straight away it's something that you'll get used to and like i said the tolerance will build up probably after about three rides you'll be fine with it if you're not you might end up changing seats you might do something like wearing um, some cycling shorts underneath that have the padded butt cheeks in them um, or maybe you change seats you get something like the gut seats that are you know a bit wider or they can customize the foam and the padding width in those things you might make some tweaks to that to make increase that comfort but yeah, I did notice after lunch that the seat was not happy with my butt at that point in time. Sorry for saying butt so many times on this podcast at this point. Now, the other thing that they've done in terms of the ergonomics is that the bike is actually 50 mil narrower at the radiator shrouds. That's a big difference. That's a really big difference. 50 mil is a lot. The fuel tank area is 6 mil narrower. This, uh, the foot pegs are 5 mil down and 5 mil back, so it's opened up the rider triangle, and the bar position is actually in the rear hole, um, but it sits a tiny bit higher. The, the, the rider triangle diagram that we're looking at here as well as we're talking through this shows the bar sitting just a tiny bit higher. Now, when I sat on this bike for the first time, 
and you've expected Yamaha to feel wide. It didn't do that. It was not a wide-feeling bike. Obviously, that 50 mils at the radiator shrouds has made a massive improvement in how wide this bike feels. So for you European guys, like European riding bikes out there, um, this is going to feel very much the same as your, you know, your Austrian brands as such. Um, I've been riding a Sherco a lot recently. The Sherco Australia bike feels very similar to this because the same KYB suspension components um, and just still, you know, feels exactly the same to sit into apart from the seat. It it feels very familiar. So I don't think that wide Yamaha is ex- in existence anymore from 2024 onwards. They've definitely made advances in that side of things. Now, what else have we got here? Uh, the... W- Weight savings, some other weight savings. We'll quickly do it. The airbox has saved 400 grams by changing those things to start with. The battery tray is down 35 grams, subframes down 100 grams. And that wiring harness that we talked about um, saving some length on it to save weight has meant 50 grams. So overall, they've saved nearly 1.14 kilograms of weight. The total weight of this bike is 105 kgs, and that's with 6.1 liters of fuel in it. So it's the wet weight. Uh, so that's a pretty light motorcycle for a 250F. And when we got on it, it definitely felt that way. It was a light feeling bike. Now, for me, my regular ride is a Sherco 302 stroke. Now, it's registered. It's got headlight, tail light. Um, but being two stroke, they usually feel lighter than most other four stroke bikes, obviously. But that headlight and stuff, you can add that weight up. This bike didn't feel much different at all. Probably a tiny bit heavier but very marginal to my 302 stroke that I would ride as my daily ride. So I'm pretty impressed with the fact that a four stroke can feel that light, which is a which is a really, really good thing. Now, the Power Tuner app. Now, I haven't had too much to do with this previously. I haven't had a Yamaha for a long period of time to then warrant using a Yamaha Power Tuner app. But on the day we got exposed to it and the fact that there's some preset maps and all the things that you can track within the, the tuner, it's an awesome feature to have. The fact that you can connect to your bike with just basically pressing the kill switch to get it, to, or the start switch to get it to, to, to fire up the Wi-Fi from it. You connect your phone to it via the app uh, and then you can start making changes. You can, you can download different maps. You can make the maps yourself. You can track your maintenance. You can track your ride time. There is plenty of things that you can do with this app. Probably more than you're ever going to actually use, which is awesome. Uh, because that means that they're thinking of more ways to track data and stuff and you know not everybody in the in the general public needs that aspects but the fact that you could change maps so quickly was an awesome feature and i actually utilized that uh, once the day got started after my first session on the bike so let's get into the sessions and the riding of the bike now i'm going to switch over here um and actually quickly before we do that it's interesting to note too that this year not only is there the Yamaha-themed blue model bike from for the YZ250F, but across the YZ range, there is actually the 50th anniversary range because from 1974 to 2024, it's the 50th anniversary of the YZ model itself. So the YZ model that I got to ride on this introduction was the 50th anniversary one. It's the white and purple version. Uh, it's a very sleek looking motorcycle and it is available for purchase to the public as well. So 
If you want something different, you don't want just the stock standard blue Yamaha, they do have that 50th anniversary edition available. It is $300 more, I believe. Hold on, let me just double check that. I'm getting to the right part of it. Yeah, so the the 50th anniversary edition version is $14,249, whilst the regular Team Yamaha blue is $13,949. So it's a that 300 buck difference like i said so yeah it's a little bit more but you're getting the fact the edition the special edition version it's got a nice badge on it uh it's got a nice sticker kit on it the only thing i wish they did was purple rims they've gone black rims on it but i think the purple or at least purple hubs would go really nicely with the purple graphic kit on this particular bike all right the riding now, the guys at Yamaha did an awesome job. The track was prepped as best we could. It's obviously been very dry in Australia, um, generally speaking. It's obviously had a few rain days in on the East Coast recently. But at, in the lead-up to this event, it hadn't really rained at all. And the track, one of the dams on the track was actually quite dry. So the guys prepped it as best they could. The track was nice for us to get there. And with only, I think there were six or seven bikes going around from the different meter outlets, it was quite the good day. The track developed nicely without too much, um, you know, deterioration. We did have one corner that was just a bit horrible. It was a very slomy corner that had a rut that ended up going the basically the wrong way to the up ramp for us that you wanted to transition to. So we had to re sort of cut that in and go wide for a few shots when we're doing some jump shots later in the day. Uh, but overall, the track itself was quite fun to ride. Had some good jumps, had some good corners. It was quite high speed, which was a little bit uncomfortable for me in some sections because I like being on a tighter technical track, uh, not one for holding it wedged for very long, uh, particularly after my injuries from Hadar. Uh, but it was an enjoyable day. Now, the guys had the Yamaha GYTR truck out there that they used for the Yamaha development team, so we were able to get dressed in that. Felt full factory to, for the day. Had the aircon running and everything, so it got quite hot. It was a 38-degree day up in Gympie. Um, it wasn't 38 degrees the whole day, but it got there, and you definitely noticed that when you're putting, when you're running around in the gear, everything was soaked as we're trying to get back to the airport uh, in terms of sweat. So the bag was weighed a bit more than it probably should have on the way, way home than compared to the way out because it was all full of sweat, but... I had an enjoyable day. The guys looked after us. They fed us. Um, they had two mechanics there. They had Nash and Jolie, as well as Tomo, um, running around to sort out all our needs. The boys looked after us for straight away. They set up our sag. They set our lever positions. I got to use Nash's fantastic titanium T-bar, which I was nearly threw over my head because I didn't realize it was so light. Um, so titanium T-bars are pretty awesome. Side note. Uh, but yeah, once we got all that set up, now we went straight to a 104 mil sag setting for me, which is basically that sort of stock range you want between 100 and 105, generally speaking. Um, but I like my bikes set a little differently. I'm not so much that high speed guy like I just mentioned. I like my bikes to be set for a more of a tighter technical feel and to be able to turn in even tightly, uh, tighter than what this new, um, more agile Yamaha YZ250 is claiming to be set for so after my first session i actually came back in and i got him to bump that down to 102 to try and stand the rear of the bike up because the that flat feeling seat area and just the positioning of that back of the bike i feel like everyone's running a bit of a chop it out feel these days and that's not my comfort zone i like that back end to be a bit up in the air and pushing that front down and so that's what we got when we adjusted that sag a bit further so i was happy with that when we got that second adjustment done. Now, when I rode the bike out onto the track the first time, there were some things I noticed that I liked. 
One was the the brake power of those Nissan front brakes was awesome. Uh, very positive, very firm. Nothing wrong with that front brake for me. Over the course of the day, it didn't fade. I didn't have any issues with it at all. I was quite comfortable with it. I would like to adjust the lever positions a bit further in terms of reach. Um, but generally speaking, the action of that front brake was awesome. My back brake I had a couple of issues with in terms of just the pedal itself. Um, for some reason, and I'm not sure whether it was just because it's new and hadn't worn the edges off um, and the boots maybe being a bit newer and a bit chunkier too, um, I managed to seem to always be getting my boot caught onto the brake pedal. I couldn't seem to get off the brake pedal, which was an interesting experience. Um, but it was something that didn't matter. I, I just had to figure out how to do it. Obviously, it was just sitting in a slightly different position to where I was used to, um, but the brake itself was awesome. The other thing that I noticed on this was that the bike sounds really crisp, and the sound of the bike is, like, it's good. But it definitely, when you're revving this bike, and as you'll hear later, you've got to talk about how much you got to rev this bike to get it to work in the power where it's designed for. It gets a bit loud. I've never worn earplugs before, but I feel like I would wear earplugs with this bike in this particular setting. Um, maybe even more so if I changed um, the pipe, you know, if I got a different system on it to try and open it up more or, or just mellow out the noise somehow, I might end up having to do that even more so. But it was definitely a louder um, experience for me, something that I wasn't used to. Like I said, I don't wear uh, earplugs normally. Obviously, on a two-stroke, it's not so bad. And I have I I, wear, I run four strokes quite often as well. My my wife's bikes are three fifty gas gas. It, it's it's fine with an FMS system. I, I don't notice it, but yeah, on this particular one, I'm like, oh, I, I probably could use some earplugs for this thing. Now, as we got some laps in on this thing, I went straight out. I just I got comfortable on it. I did some laps. I did twenty plus. Um, the bike was good. The front end wasn't comfortable for me to begin with. The, the setting in terms of obviously that sag angle, the fork compression setting, um, even the height of the fork tubes in the clamps was just off for me. So I made some tweaks. I dropped back three clicks from the standard setting. I obviously increased that sag like I mentioned earlier. I didn't end up tweaking the fork height at that point because I just wanted to do a couple of small changes to make sure that I could feel those things and that they were improving and they did. I actually went a few more clicks of off compression and I didn't like it. So I put back to that three from standard, um, three off from standard or three out from standard, I should say. So you know what I'm talking about. Um, the other thing that I did after that initial ride was I, I'm a bit of a low end grunty sort of bike rider. I like to carry momentum and I like to use a low percentage of throttle to get myself around the track. Now, not necessarily meaning that I'm slow. Don't get me wrong. We're moving well, but the th low percentage throttle is something that I like to manage and ride in a different sense. So that just means that I'm a little bit different from everybody else in that sense, right? And especially on a 250F, that wasn't the way that standard map was set. So I came in and I asked the guys, what have you got to make this thing have a bit more bottom end grunt? Because that's where I wanted to be. When I was in that standard map, I felt like I needed to go down a gear to get the bike to go at the pace I wanted it to. But in, in fact, when I actually revved it at that point harder, it pulled, right? It, it sort of took a sec and then it came on and it just started going for it. So obviously I just wasn't up it enough at that point in time. My riding style is obviously a little bit different on a 302 stroke and I had to just switch over. But what I did, because I liked that responsiveness from a throttle, 
the guys suggested trying the hard-hitting map, which is a standard Yamaha map in the Yamaha power tuner. And I was like, all right, boys, let's do it. Let's put it in. And as I rolled out to the track, I thought for a second there that I might have made a bad decision because as I was going out slowly in first gear and just touching the throttle, it was, it was punchy. It wanted to go. But what I noticed was that was first gear, right? As soon as I clicked up the second, clicked up the third, got onto the track and moving, the throttle response was exactly where I wanted it. It was early and it moved, right? And I didn't have to wring its neck in those higher rev ranges to get it to go. So that just proves to me that these power tuners that the Yamaha guys have and the ability to adjust the bike is so much more advanced than what you think and you shouldn't just stick with what's stock unless you really absolutely love stock. You have the ability to customize this ride a lot to make this exactly perform exactly almost exactly how you want it to. So play with that map. When you've got this bike, get the power tuner app on your phone and have a go at it. Try the preset maps. Try and adjust things yourself. It's a very easy slide bar setup. You go from one to five one to five, either way, away you go. So try those things out. It's it's an awesome setup. So that I was quite happy with that change in, in map. So my second stint out, I did about almost 25 minutes in a in a go without without stopping. I was enjoying the bike. The changes I'd made, I got comfortable with. The track would come around. The bike was easy to ride. Positive, it was agile like they said it was. Uh, it was very much a 250F in the sense that, yes, still I was revving it harder. And that's just the characteristics of 250Fs. They like to be revved, right? But with that hard-hitting map, it just made it a bit easier for me to get out of the corner. Um, and it just felt like I was in the zone. Now, what else did we get to? We we tried out some of the maps, right? So the map switch you can have, it's very easy just to press the button and it switches from map one to two. You can have a highest, two different settings there. Um, it's easy to switch between. But what you can also do with that is include the traction control aspect. Now, I haven't really used traction control all that much. I've tried it out, not liked it in the past. I definitely feel like my skills over the years of riding have taught me how to control with throttle and clutch those scenarios but maybe for the lesser experienced riders or in a scenario where the track is always hard packed in every aspect of it or maybe it's all very slippery and greasy from some rain that it might come to its own but the track at Gympie had a few different sections in it that's on the side of a hill and then into a bit of a valley and in the valleys it was loamy and on the hill it was you know hard packed so it was good on the hard pack sections using the, the traction control, but not so much in the loamy sections where you want the bike to spin and throw stuff out and move yourself through it. Um, I It didn't want to do that for me, or at least that's the way it felt to me. And I felt like it was bogging, and that's because obviously the ignition map is cutting out. As soon as the wheel's spinning, it's cutting it to try and stop it from spinning uh, to try and keep it driving forward. But it just didn't feel like I was doing what, it, what the riding it the way it needed to be ridden in that sense maybe that's a, a famili familiarity aspect maybe i would get better at that the longer i'd stayed and used it and maybe in time i would like it but for now i turned it off similarly for the launch control um, it actually is nicely set that where you when you get to third gear um, it clicks out which is an awesome setting because you don't have to really think about it and on any start you're obviously going to usually start in first or second and so by the time you pick that third gear you're into a normal map um, and you don't have to turn it off with your thumb or anything like that. So that's awesome. 
But again, it does that bit where it only hold, lets you go to a certain rev range, which you can set and change that if you want to. But it just, again, throttle and clutch control. If you've got it, you don't need this this aspect. But it's nice that it's there and the ability to adjust it. So again, maybe it's something I would play with and tweak down the line. But right there and then on that day, I wasn't wasn't keen on it. I'd probably just use go, <laughs> go old school and go raw. Um, but... It's something that I probably would work with further. If I had this bike for a longer period of time, I would definitely set these things up and have them ready to go. Um, Particularly for something like a concrete start where I've had issues with spinning in the past, that would probably be a good setting for that launch control just to get it off the grid, off the the concrete gate area. And as soon as you hit the dirt and click third, you know, you'd be boogieing, you know, like normal. So maybe there is a scenario where I would really like to use it, but, you know, didn't get to that point at this stage. Now, what else have we got? Some takeaways from the from the day. One, I had an awesome time. That was first and foremost. The standard suspension setting is good. It needs a couple of tweaks. I actually, one thing I forgot to mention is that I added some com- high-speed compression on the rear uh, as well as changing that sag setting. And that, again, pitched my bike up a little bit higher in the rear uh, and just gave me that comfort and that turn ability because I felt like I had a few pushing moments with the front end. Uh, and that look might have been just, again, fork position in the clamps, which I didn't end up getting enough time to change and fiddle with. We started doing some uh, photo bangers at the end of the day, and I was sort of getting a bit fatigued in the heat. So after about three 20-minute sessions, I think I'd tweaked it enough. But again, if we had some more time with it, we could probably work out some more settings for you guys and girls out there. But know that you can do a lot with these standard shocks and fork settings that they've got there before you need to go and get tweaks from a you know a specialized suspension tuner so they were good in that standard sense from there on out uh, like i said earplugs maybe buy yourself some earplugs when you buy a yz250f because i feel like you might need them over the course of a year just so you can still hear kids when they're talking to you um, or if you're a young guy so you can hear your grandkids later in life you know what i mean um now, and the Power Tuner app, you've got to get the Power Tuner app. It's just, it's a dumb thing if you don't have it. If you've got one of these new models that has the ability to have these adjustments done to it, you need to have the Power Tuner app to complement what you're doing. Now, would I buy a YZ250F? I'm probably not going to just because that's not my riding style. But if I was going to race that class, I think I'd be buying the YZ250F because of the power, because of the Power Tuner app. Because of how these new changes in terms of the agility of the bike uh, and the weight savings, there's a a lot of positives to this YZ250F. So if I was racing that class specifically, that would probably be my go-to. The availability of parts and that side of things too would be also high on the priority list because Yamaha is a well-established brand in Australia. What else? Uh, What else, what else, what else? Just the fact that you've got to rev this bike. So you've got to have, like I said, it's not my my cup of tea in terms of my riding style, but I got there with the changes to the mapping. But if you're a high revving guy, like revving it, you know, think Justin Barsha, you're going to love this bike. It's going to be your favorite bike to, to go for because it that's the way it wants to be ridden. It wants you to be up it for the ramp. So if that's what you're interested in, that's what you feel comfortable doing, by all means, jump into this thing. It's going to be the bike that you want to ride on. Now, like we said, um, there are two models available. There's that Yamaha Blue and there's the 50th anniversary edition in the white-purple. 
Three hundred dollars difference um, in prices from thirteen thousand nine hundred forty nine up to fourteen thousand two hundred forty nine for the two different versions. But basically, head to your Yamaha dealer and check them out in person and see which one's going to be the go to for you. Um, and just yeah, look, check them out. They are very much worth having if that's what you are wanting to go for in terms of that motocross two fifty range. The Yamaha should be high on your list now. While we've got you all here and we're on the podcast, there's been plenty of action happening um, in terms of different models and all that sort of stuff. So check out check out the website, fullnoise.com.au, for more of these things. Uh, there's plenty of information on there on all different bikes and products. Um, but thank you to Yamaha Australia for having us out and putting us up for it and flying us to, to Gympie. It was, uh, it was a fun experience. Awesome to meet some of the other media guys and hang out and have a good, good you know, um, moto chat it was awesome to be a part of that um, hopefully we can be a part of a few more of these here in the future and keep bringing you more of these details about how we're setting up these new bikes to give you guys ideas on which way you should go when you're getting these new bikes and not just taking it stock and leaving it stock because there's so much more comfort that you can get out of a bike for you personally that you might not be aware of that it's very easy to do so make sure you're listening to these sorts of things. Ideally, we can get some of these bikes and have them for a couple of months and get you some settings, which is something that we want to be able to bring you here in the near future. So any of those manufacturers out there listening, um, Yamaha, maybe it's you. Maybe we can get one of these bikes for a long, longer term and um, have a bit more of a in-depth dive into them and suggest some other parts and pr- components for them to tweak them up even further. But so far... Um, Really enjoyed the YZ250F. Um, looking forward to maybe getting on it again here in the future. Um, but also looking forward to getting back and just riding heaps more in general. Obviously, the summer months are coming up and it's going to be a bit harder to do that. Uh, but we'll be still out there sweating our butt off, doing some testing, riding the Sherco 300, riding the Gas Gas 350. Um, who knows? Maybe we'll be on a YZ here shortly as well. Um, maybe a WR. They the WRs are on their way. They are just doing all those ADR aspects as well. So we're mentioning that when we're there with the guys for this test day, but they weren't sure of when they'd be available. But they will be out here in the next month or so. So if you're looking for one of those, maybe we'll be able to get a test on one of those here shortly as well. All right, that's the Always Moto podcast for this episode on the YZ250F 2024 model. It's brought to you by Liat Moto Australia. Thanks for that gear for the test and thanks for the support of the show. Uh, don't forget our other sponsors, uh, Competitive Edge Performance, Slantboard Guy, Re- Endurance Recovery Boots, and Tech 167 3D Printing. Make sure you check out the show notes for all those details. Check out the show notes for where to find some information on the YZ250F. Uh, but that's it for this week's episode. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back here very soon with more Always Moto Podcast. <laughs>